Hello, and welcome to the Cambridge Assessment Podcast. I'm Alana Walden, and I'm here to introduce a special series featuring presenters from Cambridge Assessment Summit of Education. We are anticipating the future of learning, and in this third episode, Nikki Rushton and Darren Macy from Cambridge Math discuss using technology to ensure curriculum coherence. So we both work for a, a curriculum design project called Cambridge Mathematics. Um, and over the course of that, we, we look at uh, education research, uh, focused on wider mathematical ideas, but also specifically on the impact of, of technology in curriculum. Um, so the, the project itself has a number of, of key design principles, one of them that, that there should be mathematics ex- accessible for all students. And the idea of, of connected mathematical ideas across the curriculum, um, and then embedding digital technology where appropriate within that, um, and all based on research and evidence. So one of the key things that, that comes out of that um, are the, the specific affordances of technology. So, so what sort of things in the curriculum can we do differently because we have access to technology? Oh. So that might take the form of presenting interactive graphing tools like GeoGebra, which people use not just to show how to draw a particular graph, but to investigate what happens if we change the gradient of the graph. Can we make the graph go to a certain point? Can we change the point at which it crosses the y-axis? So a much more investigative role than can be done just with a whiteboard and pen, because you wouldn't be able to look very quickly. And also investigating what students are taking out of it, investigating their questions, seeing what they want to find out, and using that technology to do that. Yes, that's probably a, one of one of the key things with with technology is, is how it changes the approach to teaching and learning. So um, because there's the opportunity to to make changes to mathematical objects, you can provide much more exploratory investigative experiences than perhaps you could in, in a much more streamlined way than maybe you could without. Um, in some sense, that's that's still doing maths as maths is done currently. So replacing the pencil and paper with a computer because the technology allows um, you to do some things that you could do on paper and pencil Mm. more quickly, but it doesn't necessarily change uh, change what you're doing and how you're doing it. So the other aspect of technology then is, is, um, does it actually change the maths? Does it affect the maths that students are doing or are able to do? And an area where that might be applicable is in statistics where because we now have statistical tools we have particular programs that allow students to deal with data they're enabled able to engage with large data sets and with ideas such as standard deviations and some of the statistical analysis without needing all the background work of understanding what the calculations are so they can explore the distributions and come to conclusions without the mathematics of having to do the analysis themselves getting in the way of that. Yes, yeah, so, so stats is a, a really interesting topic area because it's something that is, is in some senses fundamentally changed by having technology. So uh, many people's experiences of, of learning about statistics and data handling is, is doing lots of calculations. So calculating means, calculating medians, um, drawing lots of different types of graphs and having to learn the mechanics of drawing the graphs. And very little time actually spent on um, what those mathematical concepts are and how you interpret um, the output. How do, you, how do you use an average to say something about the world? And actually, there's an awful lot of consensus in research going back to to the late 80s, the early 90s, 
Um, so most recently, the guidelines for assessment and instruction in statistics education. Um, and, and that consensus is, is kind of said throughout. Uh, what we need to do is less of these kind of statistical calculatory recipes that students have to learn by rote and much more investigation and analysis of, of data and exploration of, of kind of contextual real world data. And, and actually, without the computers, without technology, that's very, very difficult. But as soon as you have access to, to statistical software, um, you can do some really interesting things and not worry about having to learn the calculations, learn how to draw the graphs by that point. I think it's important to note at this point, we're not saying that students should never engage with the calculations. It's just that the focus of their work at this stage is very different. And it might be that later on, when the students are older, when their mathematics is better, that you're able then to introduce the calculations so they understand what's happening when they're carrying out their analysis at a deeper level. Yeah, so potentially you're by using technology, you're actually changing the order in which you approach the subject. So where historically you would have to learn the techniques first and then interpret based on those techniques, now you can start to look at interpretation first and then learn how to do the techniques by hand later, if appropriate, because of course one of the key things is, is the technology is reflecting the real world. And, and when you go out beyond the classroom, a lot of the techniques that we are teaching students to do, they will not do when they leave the classroom. And so there has to be an assessment once you start to bring in technology of, of whether all of the things that we've expected them to do historically are still relevant and what the purpose is. And in some cases, it is important that we still do the pen and paper stuff. So there is a, an awful lot of research that suggests that early graph drawing and mark making um, is really fundamental to the learning process. But the key is now to learn at what point we can start to put that mark making aside and move on to using technological tools that, that work students will encounter in the real world. Yeah, and I mean, that's going back to an age-old debate where you look at students' very basic calculation and we've had calculators available for years and years and years now. And there's still a dialogue about what point do you stop with the pencil and paper methods and move across to calculators? And when does the technology become the more appropriate tool? And at what stage do you still need to rely on the pencil and paper tools? And, and there was some, uh, some research done at Cambridge University by Ken Ruthven um, that focused on, on student use of calculators and actually found that, that when calculators were available for, to students all the time, quite often they still went to pencil and paper calculations when appropriate because sometimes it was quicker. And on the occasions where the technology was, was useful in that, uh, that sense, then they would use the calculators and they could also um, explore ideas much more easily when they weren't getting bogged down in calculations that were complicated. Um, it's maybe worth thinking about some of the drawbacks of technology um, and specifically around the the changes to the knowledge that teachers need in order to use technology effectively. So one of the things we've touched on earlier is that the actual style of lesson may need to change. So teachers have to think through the concepts of maths they're teaching in a different way to think about how they're going to address those challenges through technology. What are they going to do with the technology? What type of questions are they going to ask the students? And it's not likely with technology to be a list that they can rely on taking from a textbook, but it's going to be more dis classroom discussion and thinking about the specific questions they're going to ask to get students to engage with the technology and then through that engage with the math concept that they're trying to teach the students. Mm. And there are, there are implications then for, um, for how you present a curriculum 
that is aware of technology. So the the kind of work that we're doing on the the Cambridge Mathematics project of trying to identify um, what are the concepts that you're trying to learn rather than the lens through which you view those concepts. So so we have to try and create something that that makes it clear what the conceptual underpinnings are of the maths that we're presenting so that when a person chooses whether to to use a technological tool or whether to to use a a more traditional method, um, they are specifically focusing on the conceptual maths that they're trying to develop rather than maybe some technique um, where... The tech, where technology could become a black box because you just put a number into it and you you put you get a result out, but there's no actual conceptual development within that process. Okay, so picking up from that idea, I want to take a look now at the type of work we're doing in our Cambridge Maths um, project. Traditionally, curricula have a flat presentation, so you are used to seeing presentations in books of lists of content grouped by subject area from which teachers are expected to put together their own teaching curriculum in short, long, medium and short-term planning. Cambridge Maths instead have an idea of the curriculum as a map of what we call nodes, which are the important learning points within mathematics showing how they connect to each other. The Cambridge Maths framework is a network diagram with the nodes, as I've said, connected, showing the development and progression of ideas in one area of curriculum, but also linked ideas in other areas. So we don't have this idea that number is completely separate from algebra, is completely separate from shape, is completely separate from data, but looking how the ideas you develop in this area are linked to and dependent on and lead into ideas in the other areas. And... This is something it wouldn't be possible to do on paper because it is so large and so complex to map out these ideas because they go into very fine detail. But technology allows us to map them out and to zoom in on particular areas of focus or to choose a particular area we're interested in and explore how that has been linked to other areas in a dynamic and engaging way. Yeah, so when we when we first started working on the framework, um, we started on paper and we did kind of spider diagrams and, and things to, to try and formulate some basic ideas. Um, and we very quickly ran to the end of, of the road as far as we could with that. We, we started working on um, Excel using different pages and worksheets on a spreadsheet to, to try and take a, a step further. But again, you, you still very quickly run into this wall of having to decide where you're going to put a piece of content that could go in in several different parts of a curriculum. So by moving to a a network graph, um, we don't have to make those compromises. We we put content in and we connect it to other things. And and the aim of this piece of software that we're developing is that in the long term, um, people can use it to have conversations about the curriculum that they're trying to develop. So we're not trying to make a curriculum and we're not trying to say that this is um, the specific content that sh- people should do and, and how it should be arranged. But what we can do is we can present the entire breadth of content that uh, students could meaningfully encounter between age three and 19. So that's the scope uh, of the content we're covering. And then allow people to use that to make decisions of kind of, if I want to have this piece of content, what does that mean students have to have studied previously in order to access it? Or what does it mean they might go on to studying next? Or what might it be good to study alongside this because it has very close connections? And those kind of decisions um, 
are not easily taken in the current climate where, where people tend to be uh, working on curricula, where they're fine-tuning something that exists already, um, but the, the decisions of the content and where it goes in those curricula may have taken and evolved over, over generations of curriculum reform. The flexibility means the framework is not just unique to the English context. It could be taken by anyone anywhere in the world and adapted for their own curricular content. So they could look at what they've got and they could use it to map out their own curriculum and see if they have those ideas of progression and to see if the decisions they've made about content to include and content to exclude have led to a coherent curriculum or whether there is a gap that means students are going to struggle later on because they've missed out on a particular area of the curriculum. Yeah. And again, one of the key things going back to the the technology use within the classroom um, is that within our curriculum framework that we're developing, we're able to highlight um, pieces of mathematical content that must have technology in order to access them. So, for example, um, there are uh, certain ways of, of visualizing and interacting with functions for which it would be really, really difficult um, to do without access to, to technology. So starting to manipulate functions as mathematical objects and viewing them as dynamic objects rather than um, point-wise input-output type functions. And knowing that there are certain parts of, of the mathematical content that require technology, again, means that people can make decisions based within their, their context. If you know that the schools that you're working with will all have fantastic computer suites that every student can access, then great, you can include that content and you, you can know what that content is. Um, if you know that you're working in an environment where actually there's very sparse access or, or little pockets where some students would be able to access technology and some wouldn't, well, then you can make decisions about whether to remove that entirely or think about whether there are ways to mitigate the, uh, the impact and, and work around the, the lack of availability of technology. So we've had a very broad conversation around technology. We've looked a little bit at the way that technology can allow you to teach things in different ways. We've talked about how some areas of maths, it adds to the mathematics to use technology. Sometimes technology allows you to fundamentally teach something in a different way. So like the statistics, where instead of teaching techniques, we're looking at exploring data sets. And that's something that's really very difficult to do without technology. And... We've also talked a little bit about how technology requires people to maybe change the way in which they teach. We've then gone on to talk about our own use of technology for our project, where it wouldn't be possible to carry on without technology because of the dynamicism that it requires in looking at the different areas of the curriculum. What we haven't touched on so much is the role of assessment in all of this. And... If you look at some of the products that maybe use technology, they often mention technology as being very useful for marking, for making your marking easier, but that's only for certain types of items and that can skew the curriculum towards what's taught. And some of the things we've talked about, some of this exploratory work is actually very difficult to mark easily and quickly using computers. And we might need to think again about how we actually assess students on using this technology which may mean less reliable marking going forwards in future or completely different ways of marking and assessing how students use their mathematics. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing that, that when, we, when we talk about um, the, the potential sort of paradigm shifts within mathematics as a subject that, that is available once you start to use computer tools and um, 
explore mathematical ideas differently, um, that also necessitates a similar paradigm shift in the kind of items that we think of traditionally. And, and actually, um, the highly reliable type of mathematics items that, that people are used to uh, might actually be a barrier in some ways for the uh, effective use of technology in mathematics because in order to assess the kind of things that the computer allows students to do, we probably have to move to a, a model of assessment, certainly for some of the assessment, that is much more like a, a, a humanity or a social science um, where there's a lot more marks available for interpretation, where there are kind of levels of response and the sophistication of the answer is more important than the technical accuracy of it. Um, and so if we're to, to really incorporate technology into everything we do in maths, then we do need to, to certainly be aware of those things and make some significant changes in the way we assess maths and the way we think about maths as a subject. And people might be less comfortable with this because it's going to mean a move away from the idea of mathematics as being a highly reliable subject where we can guarantee almost complete accuracy at GCSE in the marking towards something that's a lot more subjective. So, so I think the, the key message is that if we really want to include uh, the best aspects of technology within maths teaching and maths education, um, it's going to take a lot of people being really brave in the decisions they take around curricula and around assessments in order to realise that. Thank you for listening to the Cambridge Assessment podcast. You can find all our podcasts at cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Just search for Podcast Gallery. You can also find us on YouTube or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts.